You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Liz Jenkins. Liz is a great actor who especially loves comedic work. We went to the University of Evansville together years ago, and after going to grad school at UCSD, she has been based in L.A., so this conversation was recorded over Skype. I always love catching up with her. Her warmth, her humor, and her outlook on being an artist are inspiring to me, and I'm excited to share our conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the 44th episode of The Compass. What is the dark side for you, and how do you try to avoid going there as an artist? Um, I would say I have a few little dark sides. I have like a dark room in a small apartment in LA <laughs> go to a couple times um, a month. I think the dark side is going to definitely be um, losing confidence in myself as an actor and um, forgetting that I don't need to book something to equal success. That's like something I struggle with a lot. Like um, I'm sure a lot of actors do. You go into an audition, you do everything you're supposed to do beforehand. You memorize your lines, you warm up, you, you know, work on the beats and get it set the way you want it to get set. You go in the room, you do your best and you don't hear anything at all. Um, and sometimes that can immediately make me go to that dark place and feeling like, okay, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Just losing confidence. And I have to just pull myself out of there and remind myself that everything I did right was a success and that the booking doesn't equal Liz is nailing it. (laughs) Um, Liz is nailing it is being able to leave the room and be like, I left it all in there. I did the best I could. Um, so that's, one of the little aspects of the dark place. And I think another thing that's going on in that dark room is comparing myself to others around me and just remembering, I think a girlfriend of mine uh, who used to be a casting director told me very early on when I moved to LA that, you know, the big unique thing about yourself is yourself. (laughs) Um, So it sounds really basic and really, simple but it's a hard concept to accept as actors I think because in a weird funky way acting is unfortunately competitive you're going up against something against someone else um but 
like she said, and like I try to remember all the time, being unique and being Liz Jenkins is what's going to book me a role or get a part or whatever in most situations. It's not me trying to fit into some mold that's not who I am. And I actually found that it's easier for me to hide the dark things that I was talking about earlier about confidence. It's actually easier for me to leave feeling confident if I know that I was myself versus if I went into a room and I didn't feel like I was bringing the best Liz Jenkins that there is there. I get disappointed when I leave and I'm like, that's not what I would have done. That's actually, I was trying to fit into something that wasn't me. Right. Um, That's more disappointing than anything, but it's easy. It's easy to go down that road though of like, what do they want me to be? Yeah, it's so it's so easy to to want to do that, especially when you get a script and there's a description there and uh-huh. it kind of fits you or it kind of doesn't fit you, the little breakdown that's like 20 to late 30s or whatever and it's like African American. Sometimes it says heavy set and I'm like, "Okay, they have some ridiculous <laughs> crap that they want me to Right. What are be some silly big girl <laughs> and um yeah, you're I have to always remind myself, like, well, I wouldn't describe myself as heavy set. So uh-huh. I'll immediately take that label off of that yeah. breakdown. And, you know, yeah, it's definitely easy to want to fit into their mold. But the more you can try to just stay in your own mold and bring that character to life, the better it is for you, the better it is for them. But most importantly, for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think those are the dark those are the two darkest places that I go to, I think, as an actor. Yeah. And so to try to avoid them feeling like yourself and that just being as like prepared as possible. Yeah. Those are some, um, some of the ways you keep out of it. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the best things that I do for every audition is I'm off book. I, that might sound like this this B. <laughs> she's so special. She's memorizing her lines, but no, it's one less thing to worry about though. One less thing to worry about. And believe it or not, not everyone does it. Um, you'd be surprised how many people I I'm assuming go into a room and they're holding onto that paper for dear life or they're looking down on it. And, um, it just doesn't help you. It's one less thing that's keeping you back from connecting with the casting director or reader or whomever, Um, that's like my first step of Liz, get off book. (laughs) Even if that's all you do, if that's all you have time for, um, get your ass off book. Um, is there cursing on this? Yeah, go for it. I don't mind. I'll I'll try not to, but, um, (laughs) on my lady time. So sometimes the curse words fly out of my mouth. Totally fine. (laughs) Um, I had an audition the other day for a really cool casting director. Um, he's casting a film and when I was done, he was like, thank you for being off book. You're like one of two people that were off book. And I don't think I booked that part, but I left feeling really proud of myself because I was like, he knows that I'm professional. Yeah. He knows that I took it seriously and that I came in there and I wanted to play. Um, and he'll probably and remember you. Really, yeah. And he'll remember me. Exactly. Um, and I just, I think there, when I first moved to LA, there were a handful of auditions where I just didn't, that didn't click for me yet. So I was going out and, not being completely off book and it sucked. It it really sucked to have to rely on that piece of paper and 
just to have to focus so much on the dialogue on the paper versus the emotions that the actor's feeling, it just didn't feel good. So that's my first little step. Um, and then an actor friend of mine who I used to work with, um, Ty Burrell, he's a really, really great guy. Working for him for a couple of years, like, super grounded me as an actor and specifically as a comedian. Yeah. He gave me the great advice of going into the room, being yourself, being off book, of course, but then also, like, bringing myself out, even if it's not written on the paper. And I've had some super fun callbacks and just auditions doing that. And I would never in a million years, I'm not suggesting that everyone goes out there and says, like, forget the script, I'm going to make up my own lines. But, you know, if it's written on a piece of paper and someone's like, oh, fudge, and you would never say, oh, fudge, don't say, oh, fudge, <laughs> say what you would say. It's not, worst case scenario, they're going to say, can you do it again and just stay to the script? Like, that's really the worst case scenario. Um, and I do that in auditions all the time now, and I feel so much better. It's just one little extra nugget of bringing myself to the table especially with comedy because yeah. comedy is so you need to feel it in your bones <laughs> you can't just be like a little robot and say what is on the paper and not have any attachment to it right. um, so yeah I like I think those things help to not feel to feel confident when I leave the room and some ownership oh totally it goes again it goes back to kind of what is the little saying leaving it all out on the floor mm -hmm. like goes back to that little saying like if you go in there and you're yourself and you're bringing I'm bringing myself to the table that's all I can do like period there's no more that I can um there's nothing else I can do I can right. just be myself be the best best version of myself <laughs> look pretty if I can <laughs> and still up to it um, and leave it all out there on the floor and yeah, that's a lot. It's kind of a control thing too. Like I can control being myself. I can't control going in a room and trying to fit myself into a hole that I don't, you know, naturally fit into. Right. And out there in LA, are you mostly auditioning for on-camera stuff? Because I oh yeah, especially yeah. that kind of improving is much more accepted and yeah, those kinds of scripts, right? Yeah, I um. I mostly go out for film and television here. I do miss theater, um, training in theater. I probably could not do what I do here without that training, but I miss it so much. But yeah, being in LA, I, I bet most people would say that they're usually going out for film and television or commercials. And yeah, being able to improv a little bit and have a bit of a background in improv helps a ton, especially when you get an adjustment. Um, I think improv mixed with um, training equals I can do an adjustment really, really quickly yeah. um, and not feel like thrown off by it. Have you, uh, have you trained in improv while you've been out there? Yeah, I went to UCB um, for all of their levels and I loved that program. It was really, you know, specific um, improv school and I had so much fun doing it. I had such great teachers and I met great people there and I performed on like a few um little indie they call them indie improv teams where you're not mm -hmm. like on a team at a school but you're kind of doing it you know in the different comedy theaters around town and then I took a huge break from improv um it just something all of a sudden wasn't fun for me with improv and still to this day I can't 
pinpoint what it was, but I just needed a little bit of a break. And I thought during that break that I would explore stand-up, and I did, like, a few open mics, and I had great time doing that, but still I wasn't connecting to it. And now I'm actually um, studying at Groundlings, and I love that program. Um, I do find that I like it's kind of a character-based program, and I love it. It's definitely bringing back some of the things that I got from undergrad theater and graduate school theater and mixing it with improv. And I'm like, okay, I think that's a little bit what was missing. Like, that's I miss great. being able to layer on my training on top of improv. So the, um, the UCB was more based on, like, just the scenarios? Like, um, sketch? I would say it's hard to generalize specifically what it was, but UCB almost had, like, a formula to it. Um, it was kind of about there's building beats were involved and I liked it and it was super difficult to catch on and get it but once you did it was super fun and very funny Um, but it wasn't character based or character driven I would say whereas Groundlings definitely is that and I think they're really like this is what we do this is the Groundlings way and I think that's probably the big difference in those two programs um so, yeah, I think being able to play with characters, like, I was always a huge fan of Saturday Night Live and Mad TV and, mm-hmm. and Living Color and this amazing show called House of Duggan, which was, do you remember that show? No. Oh, my God. It was um, John Leguizamo's, like, sketch comedy show. I want to say it was the early 90s, and I loved House oh, of Duggan. I love it him. It, was it on cable? Because we didn't have cable growing up. Maybe was that was cable? why. I want to say it was, like, on UPN. Or oh, maybe. Okay, I'm going to have to go to YouTube. And... That don't exist anymore. <laughs> but, uh, maybe it was, like, the WB. I feel, like, strongly that it was the WB for some reason. But, anyway, it was, like... John Leguizamo's version of In Living Color, kind of, and it was super high-energy show, and all of the sketches were really, like, super edgy, um, and I loved that show, and I was, lots of huge characters, but also, mm-hmm. you know, edgy and topical, and I have always been drawn to that kind of improv and sketch comedy. I've definitely gotten my foot more, you know, my toes are dipping in the sketch comedy world now. Um, which is the show that I'm working on with my girlfriend is kind of, you know, it's like an extended sketch. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the web series and what you guys are working on? Yeah. um, My girlfriend Molly Fight and I met at graduate school at UCSD, and I think our first day of school we had to do these monologues or something, and I thought this girl was so funny. She was just so naturally funny. And from that day forward, I think we just were like constantly making each other laugh, like competing with each other. It's <laughs> like hilarious way. She's just so funny. And our sense of humors are so similar. Um, so when we graduated and we moved here, you know, the first thing that we decided was we needed to write together. We were going to write something. And this was, what, eight years ago? This was way, I think, before people were consistently making their own work. And, like, this was before YouTube. I mean, maybe not before it existed, but before it was, like, a popular place for people to throw up web series. And we started writing, and we were writing about 
literally exactly what was happening in our lives. So I was working at a dog <laughs> hotel <laughs> right out of grad school, cleaning up dog piss. Uh-huh. Um, and I think she was cater waitering and serving a lot. And we hated it. Of course, it was miserable. We were treated like crap. And it was just funny to us that, you know, I mean, it had to be funny, right? Um, it was either funny or depressing. Right. <laughs> so we chose funny. And so we got together and we would literally write, like, the day I got fired from the doggy daycare, we sat down and we wrote it out. And of course, it's not exactly how it happened, but right. it was pretty close. <laughs> um, this was like eight years ago, and we wrote these things out, and we just got super busy with life. Um, you know, we had to pay rent and pay bills and auditions picked up and think molly got into the comedy world more um intensely so we were really busy and i want to say like a couple years ago i was going out for comedy auditions but i never get called back for comedy things or or i get called back and really close and i don't book it and i was like something is not i mean i know i'm funny (laughs) so why am i not working on comedy shows Mm -hmm. um and I was really frustrated by it, and I thought, started to think, I actually got really bitter towards, like, a lot of the comedy people that I love, like, you know, Judd Apatow films, and I love David Wayne, and, like, What Hot American Summer. I got really bitter because I was like, oh, these are, like, little clubs. Like, they all know each other, and it's hard to, like, break into those clubs. Right. And especially when you're a huge fan of their work, I was like, what do I do? Do I tweet at them? Like, (laughs) I feel real. Like, how do I get into these rooms and meet these comedic casting directors and comedians that I love? And I just, something clicked a couple years ago and I was like, I guess I just got to make my own club, my own little comedy club with people that I think are funny and start producing our own work. Like, that's how you do it. So Molly and I got back together and started writing and it was almost as if like, it was just easier this time around. We wrote so many episodes so quickly. We met once a week and we would just crank them out and you would like find us in a coffee shop in Burbank and just like cracking each other up. And <laughs> you know, the show is rated R. So we're talking about like dicks and like having sex with clowns <laughs> in the middle of a coffee shop. Um, and we were just having so much fun. And so that's how work came about and we finished writing it and we decided that we wanted to film it and of course filming anything now because creating your work is so your own work is so popular now you really have to do it right like you can't slap it together and you can't do it on an iphone shaky you know you have to have all these technical tools to make it look really professional for it to be taken seriously so now we're in the fundraising uh stage and then we're going to start filming soon and it's just the most exciting thing since i've moved to la is this web series that we've created because i think it it kind of it kind of is a summary of my entire experience in la the struggle of trying to get into comedy of trying to be myself in comedy. I mean, I'm essentially playing myself in this show, kind of like a heightened version of it, but, um, and Molly's playing herself, but it's just the struggle of being in LA with a huge, hilarious blanket tossed over it. Um, we make fun of ourselves. We make fun of, you know, our jobs and, um, it should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to filming it and just, I mean, ridiculous is probably the word I would put on I top. I can't wait to see it. 
Um, how many epi- how many episodes are you planning to do for the first season? So we wrote about eight, and I think we're going to film four. I think we've like pulled the four strongest episodes um, that I think would be the, the funnest to film. The more the episodes that kind of uh, are really clear what our story is. Um, so I think we're going to do four. I mean, if we raise more money, obviously we'll do a few more, but four seems like a nice round number and that's including the pilot, which is, um, probably going to be the easiest to film because it's just setting everything up. Um, but like I said, you know, the, you have to, to compete with some of these web series or like things that are on YouTube. I mean, go on YouTube and see what has a lot of views. These things have budgets like huge budgets like shockingly impressive budgets there's this guy that does youtube videos i'm forgetting his name but he does like uh musical parody videos um hilarious i think his name's todrick have you heard of him Mm -mm. but i'm I'm not big into youtube so you're not big into youtube no girl (laughs) i'm gonna go down a rabbit hole after this though you have to it's quite important to our our careers now that you (laughs) youtube um but, yeah, I think his name's Todrick, and he does these huge musical parodies and just, like, I think it's original content, I'm fairly certain. They are, like, expensive. They're, like, Michael Bay movies, but on YouTube <laughs> for music videos. Their budgets look insane. So you have to oh compete with that if you want people to watch your little web series, your little comedy about two wacky girls in L.A. Like, you got to have a little bit of a budget. You can't so... just throw it on. I mean, that's the daunting part about self-producing to me is like finding the money and doing all the organizational stuff instead of just getting to be the actor or be the creative part. Totally. How has that been so far? How are you guys trying to handle that? Because I know you're also working on other things, obviously, or day jobs or whatever. Yeah. I mean, if I could quit my day job and just full-time work on work, I think I would still it would still be exhausting. Yeah. I think you're you're absolutely right. It's so time-consuming. It involves a lot of coordination and a lot of focus and a lot of um, learning. Like, there's a lot of stuff with SAG, new media, that you kind mm-hmm. of have to understand and work with SAG on when you're doing, you know, you can't just go out and do a video on YouTube right now. I mean, SAG is encouraging people, and as they should, to, you know, participate in their new media contract and that's mostly to protect the actors but it's also i mean it's a learning curve um and it's yeah it's i like it um i say that with a question mark because i like it sometimes you know some days i like wearing the producer hat and i like organizing and figuring out what we will need when we go into the production part of it and then some days i just want to be an actor and i just want to show up and say random shit (laughs) (laughs) on set and like be done with it but I will say it's it's probably training me better for what I would like my career to look like in the future like just seeing how the business is um and seeing what I go out for as a black comedian I think I'm gonna have to be writing for myself a bit more um, in order to feel fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. You know, I am really inspired by that new show, Insecure, on HBO um, with Issa Rae. Is it already I'm so out? I'm inspired by her. 
I'm sorry? Is that already out, or is it... I don't think it's out, but I saw a trailer for it, and I was like, yeah, that girl's... Yeah, she's, she's doing the right thing. Yeah, you I've, know? Heard, I've heard she, good things. Yeah, if she... Um, if she... You know, I have no idea how she came about. I, I think she was on YouTube, so I'm not sure if she, like, went to acting school and all that stuff. I have no idea, but I can imagine she felt would feel a lot like me going out for, like, the auditions that I go out for. And, like, my sense of humor, like I said, aligns so much more with, like, Judd Apatow and, like, Wet Hot American Summer and, like, I just saw the movie Sausage Party and I was like, that's my sense of humor. But (laughs) it's hard to crack those nuts. And also, it's hard to crack those nuts. I just realized (laughs) that joke that I made. Appropriate to Sausage Party. (laughs) Exactly. The movie is hilarious. Um, But that's like my sense of humor. And you'd be shocked. I mean, you know me. You know my sense of humor is a little bit odd and like Mm kind of raunchy and silly. And the things that I go out for are just not that. Like, so I have to write for myself if I want to be representing myself as a comedian with my perspective the way we spoke about way earlier. Like, I'm not gonna, no one's gonna write a role for me that's like Liz Jenkins. Like, yeah. I have to write my own role. So, in that respect of the whole production part of it, I like it because I'm learning from my own future. Right. Like, if I'm ever going to be the star of just Jenkins <laughs> somewhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's fun. And honestly, I think it does seem daunting to people um, producing and specifically producing your own work on something like YouTube. Um, but it's really, once you start doing it, like I said, it's empowering and it's a fun type of control. Like, to be able to see a vision of a product that you want and to be able to, you know, get it there. Yeah. It's like, it's still hard, but I think it's going to be really, really empowering and fulfilling as an actor um, to see this whole thing come together. Had you done much writing before the web series or has it kind of come out of doing improv and just writing for yourself or have you written other types of scripts as well? So I I definitely started writing when we started writing. The show was called Chapstick Jungle at first, (laughs) which is like a play on that old TV show. Um, It was like the opposite. I think that show was about like really successful women. And we were like, that's not us. (laughs) Um, So I started writing after we started writing that show. And I was writing a screenplay that was about the Renaissance fairs and basically there's like MFA trained actors who all work at the same Renaissance fair every summer. And I was writing that script and I had another silly script about my girlfriends from Houston and they're all like 75% done. And I always go back to them and go back to the beginning and rewrite. And I, I just love writing. I don't know if I'm going to finish either of those scripts or what, I kind of don't care, but I do love writing, and it's hard. It's really hard to write full-fleshed characters, even if you're writing based on people you know. I I think I took a writing class, and someone was like, try to, like, write about people you know, and I was like, I do, but I still don't really write from their voice. Right. Um, So that's the hard part about it, but I like it. It's Like I said, writing for yourself, I feel like, is the future of film and television which is a good thing and a hard thing to accept um and 
yeah and yeah I do I did write some sketches and some little things and I, I tried my hand at like uh throwing some little things on YouTube I had this other silly idea called like really short movie reviews where it was the shortest sketch possible I would go see a movie and then I'd have these long introduction credits and then my <laughs> review of the movie was really short so, like, I saw Batman versus Superman, and I was like, I liked it. And that was the whole view. <laughs> I kind of love that. <laughs> or, you know, like, just, I like things like that, where yeah. it's, like, my sense of humor, really quick, and I'm writing from my own perspective. And right. that's, like, kind of a good place to start if anyone wants to, like, get into writing for themselves is, yeah, write, like, little short monologues just from your own voice. And then go from there and see what else comes out. Well, and then you get the satisfaction of putting it out into the world, too, without having, yeah. without waiting two years to write your epic totally. screenplay. Well, and those little things that I threw on YouTube, I think they have, like, 30 views. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't care. I just did them, and it was fun. And sometimes I'm pretty sure those 30 views are from me, like, checking in <laughs> on different devices and watching them. I don't care. I still think they're funny. Fun to do. And like you said, it was like instant gratification. Yeah. <laughs> I threw it up there. I saw it. It's done. I didn't have to wait for the phone to ring or for someone to tell me that I got something. I did it myself. Do you think you're in L.A. for the long term? Because I know, like, obviously you went to school in San Diego. L.A. is so close. I'm sure you guys had more connections out there. You know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I really wanted to come to New York I right after grad school I was I told my family that's where I was going I was dead set on it I just pictured myself being in New York trying to do theater you know working with all of you know our friends from undergrad like Wes I wanted to work with Wes so badly and I was like I'm going to New York Mm -hmm. and I just we have those showcases after grad school and my showcase in New York was just not didn't give me a lot of hope for New York. And my showcase in LA was the opposite, which is interesting because my whole mindset was that I didn't think my type would be received very well in LA. And it was the opposite. Like LA really, uh, you know, responded well to me. And I think that, you know, I've talked to friends who've done showcases and I think it does have to do with comedy. I think LA, you know, after those showcases, they kind of pull comedians in a bit more I don't know why but um so it was kind of an adjustment for me to accept that I was going to LA and I was super fortunate to get you know representation across the board and to start going out immediately and like seeing what life could be like in LA versus you know trying to figure it out um and moving right and I think because of that shift right after showcase I don't know if I get to live in New York because I now I like LA so much and right. I like, you know, being here and I like producing my own work and I like my friends that are here with me and I think I could totally go to New York and do what I'm doing right now and, you know, work at a law firm during the day and write at night and audition. I'm sure I could, but I feel like now that I'm in LA um, and because I've been here for so long, it's hard to even picture that. Like I keep yeah. thinking like a project will have to bring me to New York, which please, I would love to go. <laughs> that would be a dream come true. But, um, to answer your question, 
like immediately. And as of today, it's hard to think of myself living in New York for some reason now. I have no idea. I can't pinpoint it, but I think it has to do with that shift and that feeling of rejection, I guess, right after grad school, um, feeling like a little rejected by New York, maybe, hmm. um, which I'm sure New York didn't mean it. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love that city. Every time I go there, I'm up till 4 a.m. with, you know, you guys. And yeah. I'm like, God, I want to live here so bad and not sleep and drink coffee all day. Well, but, <laughs> you're also trying to pack everything into like three days when you're yeah there. totally oh wait are you saying you guys don't we stay don't up i don't normally stay up until four <laughs> yeah i i like that aspect of life there like everything yeah. here shuts down at like 10 30 or 11 right because so, well and everybody has to drive home so it's kind of a different exactly, it's a different exactly. vibe i yeah. think if la had a better public transit i would be up till five in the morning <laughs> like everybody else in new york eating my bagels Um, so at UCSD, you guys teach while you're there, right? As graduate students? Yeah, we do. We got to teach public speaking and we got to teach acting and it was, it was cool. You know, it also opened my eyes that I would love to teach at some point in my life. I also, I love coaching. Something that happens, I I don't know if this happens in New York a lot, but when my friends get auditions, they're like, oh, can we run them together? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, specifically if if it's comedy, I think people will come to me to run lines. I love it. I love coaching comedy. So I would love to at some point, you know, with my experiences teaching at UCSD, I would love to teach some sort of a comedy, you know, acting course. Um, And I love public speaking. That was such a great tool to have and I still to this day you know at my law firm job I've definitely I feel like I've tried to talk to some of the lawyers about you know some of the things that we would teach in public speaking and Uh I don't know it's become fascinating because I've realized working at this law firm that lawyers and actors kind of like mesh really well together yeah you oftentimes you hear of people who've left acting who decided to become lawyers really I've heard of that from, like, alums from Juilliard, because there's that performance aspect to it, oh, if totally. you're, like, a trial lawyer. Yeah, I mean, I, I would prefer to play one on TV. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, it's interesting being around them. I'm like, gosh, we all the personalities just mesh really well together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to be a lawyer, but I would <laughs> definitely, like, teach or specifically teach like a comedy acting course or something like that I loved it it's such a great part of our program I think was the teaching undergrad students that's really Um, cool it also made you really appreciate just as an artist and as an actor how inherently we're just a little bit more open um public speaking is something that does not come easy to people it as an actor and acting since I was first grade, I don't think it ever occurred to me that public speaking was so difficult for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I loved about teaching the class is that I was like, whoa, like not everybody is just naturally like, look at me. <laughs> I like to be in front of people. Like a lot of people don't like to be in front of people. So I loved that. I loved exploring that part of people and also bringing it out of people that were super shy, that did not want to be in front of a group of people. Like all day, my my job in L.A. is to try to get in front of people. <laughs> like all day long is what I'm trying to do. And knowing that 
I'd say maybe half of the population at least doesn't like that at all. It's kind of interesting. And it was made, it was made for really fun teaching. And like, I don't know, it was just a nice little thing that I learned being in grad school about people in general. And yeah, um, yeah, my boyfriend's super, super shy and bless his heart. I'm like, let's do this in front of people. <laughs> and he's like, let's stay in and watch stranger things. Um, How has that been for you being in a relationship with someone who's not in the arts? It's amazing. Yeah. Cause it's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, a little bit kidding. It's been really great. You know, I love the look in his face when I come home and he's like, how'd your audition go? And there's like genuine, you know, wonderment in his eyes. And the same, like if I book something, it's just so sweet to have someone who doesn't understand the business at all, but just really appreciates every tiny little step you are taking to get closer to your dream. And that's also another privilege that I have to say that I've had is being able to follow my dream like that with the support of my family. Again, not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody gets to play for a living, not make any money doing it, and still have your family be like, I love you, you're brilliant. Well, I was going to ask you about that, too, what they make of your life as an actor. Oh, my gosh. My family is so, so supportive of my career. It's, It's just, I feel so... I feel so privileged to have the family that I have. You know, there was definitely a time when I first moved to L.A. where I think maybe they were like, so are you Oprah yet? And like maybe <laughs> they realized that it was kind of a marathon and not a sprint. Yeah. Um, but once they realized that, you know, it was like these tiny steps towards getting closer to your goal, and now it's just nothing but support from them all the time. And, you know, I often called my mom bawling if I don't get a part that I thought I was going to get or that I was really close to getting. And my mom has the most simple, simple advice. And she tells me every damn time. And sometimes I'm like, you don't get it. <laughs> it's the best advice. And she's like, when it's the right role for you, you will get it. And she says it every single time, every time. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were saying before. If it's the right role for me, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be my best Liz Jenkins. And I am going to get it. Yeah. And she's so right. Like, what a simple piece of advice from someone who doesn't get it at all. That's really sweet. It's super sweet. And I, you know, I have to remind myself of that every single time I don't get a role now. I mean, usually I just call her and cry about it and she'll tell me. But mm-hmm. It's such a simple piece of advice and she doesn't I don't know if she realizes how brilliant it is specifically for me and my type and who I am as an actor she's so right if it's for me I'm gonna get it and when that happens it's gonna be glorious it's gonna be even better because it was for me yeah. um so yeah I'm, I'm blessed and super lucky to have my family and my brothers um you know both of my brothers are so different than I am um but they think it's so cool and they're just so cute about it. And one of my brothers is like this gun enthusiast and he loves his guns. And I think the last thing I did, I got shot and he was like, that was pretty cool. (laughs) Thanks bro. (laughs) Things that impress him. Um, So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. Are they, are your brothers still in Texas or? 
Yeah, they're both still in Texas. So I grew up in Houston, and my brother Kevin is in Houston, and my brother Jason is in Dallas. Okay. Yeah, they. I love going home and seeing them, and they. All, I feel like I get teased a lot too because they're like, "Oh, fancy schmancy LA with your fancy Shih Tzu toy poodle dog." <laughs> like, I'll fly with my dog and. I'll just be like, oh, you're so fancy, and I'm like, I guess, I guess I'm fancy. <laughs> you guys, that's what brothers are for. Exactly, teasing. Exactly. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about? And it also obviously relates to your web series, and you mentioned yeah. the law firm. But can we talk a little bit about how you've put together your financial life in LA? Like how you've managed Oops, to pay your bills, speaking. like between acting, yeah. Yeah. So I financially. I guess I should start. I should say what I used to do. I used to do freelance everything. Right. When I first moved here and I was fired from that, that doggy daycare, <laughs> after that, I, it just dawned on me that I needed to have my hands and everything so I could control my finances better. So I was a nanny. I was a personal assistant. I was cleaning houses. I was doing just about anything you could do on Craigslist to make money, but doing it all freelance. So I had this crazy, you know, schedule that I had for myself and every day I was doing something else and I kind of loved it but looking back on it I really hated it because it was time consuming Mm -hmm. there was one chunk of um time where I had worked I want to say it was 14 days in a row like full days of working without Mm -hmm. a day off and I didn't even realize it until I was like sick and tired and in a horrible mood and I looked at my little planner and I was like oh you've been working for 14 days straight I was paying my bills but I was miserable so I um a couple years ago um someone that I personal assisted for opened a law firm and asked if I wanted to be the receptionist there and I was like I I can't be a receptionist like I have to audition and auditions are last minute and they're time consuming and he was so great he was like that's fine I love that you're an actor like you can still do that. Just, you know, we'll work it out. Don't worry about it. And so I worked for that law firm for about a year and a half, and then they split off, and the same uh, lawyer opened another law firm, and that's where I currently work, and he gives me the same exact flexibility. He, like I said, actors and lawyers kind of meshed well. He just, he likes that I'm an actor. He's so kind about it and so supportive about it, so I luckily have a job where I can definitely pay my bills each month and have benefits and be taken care of but I can also send him an email that's like oh I have an audition tomorrow and the response is good luck I hope you book it you know it's super nice like I wish every actor could have that yeah we should have that like I'm getting my work done and I'm doing it with a smile on my face because I have this really generous boss yeah um so that's my day job And then acting is, you know, as always, it's very sporadic, and I make some income doing that. So I knew if we wanted to produce this web series, we would have to do the crowdfunding thing, which Mm -hmm. is really scary to sit down and realize that you have to ask your friends for money and donations. Um, So we insisted that I told Molly, and we totally agreed that we have to do, like, a trailer. Like, the least we could do if we're going to ask people for money is show them what we want to do with the money. And I I feel like that's been the best part of the fundraising process is 
the money's great. Thank you, everyone who's donated thus far and plans to donate. That has been great. But more so has been people responding to this trailer that we did and just loving it. And I wish that, you know, support equaled money all the time, because if that was the case, we would have a million dollars. People have been <laughs> so supportive of this web series and specifically this trailer they've, been, they've loved it and That's i love awesome. that and it gives me motivation so you yeah. know no matter what we're gonna do it like even if we don't raise all the money that we want to raise right. we're filming this bad boy you know and people are already done. excited about it which is great and then, yeah and people are excited about it and you know i get a lot of emails that are like oh my gosh this is so funny and this is so you and i'm like yes thank you this is i'm glad that people know who i am as a person and I'm glad that that can be reflected on camera. And then I'm also triple glad that then people like it. Like, yeah. That's such a, a, a gift. Um, so, yeah, we're doing the crowd fundraising. We're going to do some other, like, improv-based fundraisers. I think we're going to have a little improv jam because Molly and I both mm-hmm. do improv. So we're thinking of having people over and, you know, raising money but also being funny and I think the other funny thing about the improv world is how many people are interested in it, but are also terrified of it. Uh-huh. So doing a fundraiser where we just forces all these people that have asked us, like, how do you do it? Okay, we'll pay $10 and we'll show you. It's super easy. And here's a glass of whiskey and you're on stage. <laughs> and go. Um, uh, I think that's going to be a great fundraiser. And it's also just great for, it'll be great for me to see all these people that have been curious about it. Um, get up there and play but so to answer your question um gosh I wish we as artists could get just like I don't know grants or something every time we have a brilliant idea Um, that would be nice but I have to say like Indiegogo and crowdfunding has been so nice it's just nice to be able to put it out there and i'm one of those people that when i see people are also crowdfunding for every for other things i also donate like i love that new part of social media that you can see what your friend is doing across this the country and say oh i want to donate to that project i won't be able to see it in Mm -hmm. person if it's like a theater show or you know whatever but you know, I support that person with at least this amount of money. Uh, <laughs> and then also them sharing. I feel like even more so than handing over their hard-earned money is them sharing that video because that, to me, says that they support it. And that, like I said, is equally as, if not more, rewarding to me that someone supports this project that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like... It's hard to think about raising a certain amount of money to be able to film something but it's also not hard when you have the support that I found that I do definitely one of the positive things about social media for artists yeah absolutely like sharing the word of what you're working on and also the crowdfunding it's really amazing yeah I think that's I've had moments I'm I wonder if all actors or artists have had these moments of maybe wanting to not be on social media because of some of the negative aspects of it like comparing yourself to others or just the, sometimes it can drop focus away from mm-hmm. your main goal um but the rewards of it are just way more to me and the positives yeah. of social media are way more so for that I'm, I feel like I'll always have like a Facebook or whatever they come out with next. I feel like something <laughs> else has got to come, right? I'm I mean, sure. I'm sure. Friendster and MySpace. 
And Facebook, like, what's next? And Facebook has, you know, it's been around for a while now. It really has been around for a while, and I love it. I'm just so curious. <laughs> My brain doesn't work that way, so I can't tell you what it would be, but there might be something else. Is there anything in the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you want to tell me about? Could be, like, something little or some lesson you learned or doesn't have to be obvious. I think something that I'm really proud of um, is probably a change in thought process. So it's, I wouldn't say it's one specific thing. <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's one specific thing, but it's more so the way I approach my career as an actor and how that's changed that I'm really proud of. And I think I sound really redundant right now, but it is just that thought of bringing myself to everything I do in the acting world and auditions, <clears throat> even in my personal life and my job, I feel like the more I can be myself, the less hard I can be on myself when things don't pan out because then I don't have any regrets. And so I think that way of thinking is something that I'm really proud of. I'm also really proud of the little life that I've created for myself in LA. Like I have a cute little dog and I have a boyfriend who's super supportive and I have a family that's really supportive and I have friends all around me that are really supportive and friends that I support. And, you know, yeah. I, I think I am proud of that. It's huge. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny because I was looking at, um, I want to say at the end of undergrad is when we made these lists of like these goals that we're supposed to have for our careers. It was like a two-year goal, five-year goal, and like a 10-year goal or something like that. And I didn't realize how like easy I was on myself about my goals because my 10-year <laughs> goal was like, be on TV once. <laughs> <laughs> have a job like it was very I was super easy on myself and I think I did that for a good reason because now I can look back and be like yeah I think those things are actually the things that I have in my life right now are actually harder to obtain and be appreciate than we think so when I look back at this little I think the 20 year goal is when it gets crazy it's like have an Oscar award and I'm like whoa 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 <laughs> um, that's coming up quick but um yeah, those things I knew, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I knew thinking ahead that at least I would want to appreciate those little things. And I do appreciate those little things. And I'm really, I'm really proud of that part of my life is just being able to appreciate my little life with my little dog and my boyfriend and my family and auditioning whenever I want and being myself. That's, that's a lot. That is a lot. And kind of like we talked about a little bit before we started recording, like those are the things that are going to keep you happy and grounded when your career isn't doing what you want. Oh, and that's important. Gosh. Totally. Totally. I mean, I had like a good cry the other day because I think I didn't book something. I always have a good cry. When I don't book <laughs> Not always, but you know, I think when you think you're going to book something and you don't book something, that's what I have a cry. And um, it was so nice to just be able to sit on my bed with my boyfriend giving me a hug and basically saying what my mom says, but I don't think he knows that, which is just like, you're going to get something like you're so funny and you're so confident. Like when it's the right role, you'll get it. I mean, that ridiculous 
basic advice (laughs) is like all I need to hear because it's so true like patience it's like very very important patience and just really accepting that you are enough and that one day that role you're gonna walk into a room someone's gonna look at you you're gonna look at your headshot and they're gonna be like yes and that's like kind of what we're just waiting for um, oh my gosh. And it'll happen. You are inspiring me so much right now. Oh, um, <laughs> you inspire me all the time. I love, I love chatting with you. I really do. I, I miss, I think I miss grad school so much because I miss just being in that space with, I felt like it was almost like this weird, funky version of the real world because yeah, it was you're... like these people that you maybe not necessarily trapped together so. 24 hours a day. Yeah, and I loved it. And we were yeah. all kind of on the same page about things sometimes and sometimes we weren't. But at the end of the day, we were all so supportive of each other. And yeah. I love that I can still, you know, see you years later. I know. That's. I mean, that's the great thing about Facebook. Is yeah. that we only see each other every couple of years, but I still yeah. feel involved in your life and what you're doing, and it's really nice. Yeah. I do. I agree. It is very nice. I mean, thanks, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, okay, I don't want to keep you too long, but I have two more cool. quick questions. Sure. The first one is, like, when you are feeling... Um, down and depressed or not confident are there any like specific things that you turn to again and again like a book or music or a specific thing you like to do dark chocolate yes <laughs> um and I think talking to people yeah it's just the right people um there I definitely like reaching out to people who are in the same space as we are and just like what we're doing now just like kind of bitching about the industry a little bit and then it always ends up circling right back around to like why we do it mm-hmm. like if we could do anything else surely we would be doing it <laughs> we don't <laughs> want to be rejected all day long like if we could do something else I think we'd all be doing it but this is what makes us happy and that's kind of like where the conversation always circles back around to so that and some dark chocolate is like I mean Perfect. that's all I need <laughs> great <laughs> And then I also wanted to ask if you have anything that you've seen recently that you want to recommend, either something live in L.A. or a movie or whatever, a book. What have I seen lately? Nothing. No, I'm just kidding. I've seen so many, like, different types of things that I'm trying to figure out which one I would really, really recommend. Or if there's even, like, a specific place that you like to go see comedy in L.A. or something that you would recommend to people who live out there or... I you know, know, I would recommend, this is kind of sort of your question, I actually would recommend that people hop into an improv class yeah. um, and sh- absolutely see a show. But more so than anything, just go take a class. Like, so many people have told me they're so afraid of it for whatever reason, nerves or the idea of, like, having to think of stuff on the spot. But whether you're an actor or not, I feel like improv is so so much fun and a lot of these schools they're the first day of class they're like don't try to be funny and i think that's what scares people from improv class is they think they're not funny so they don't want to 
go and embarrass themselves. But as someone who's taken a couple of different classes from different schools, the funniest people to me in those classes are the people that have never done it before. And it's because they're doing that one piece of advice, which is trying to not, they're not trying to be funny. Right. And I love it. So I would say, I guess that's, you know, the one thing I would tell people, if you've ever thought about taking improv or even if you've seen a show and you're like, I could never do that. Like, go to UCB, go to the Groundlings, go to Second City, go to iOS, and just take a class. They're so much fun. And especially if you're an actor and artist, you're going to get something out of it. You're going to start booking commercials and getting (laughs) facts because that's kind of what they want. They all kind of want you to be able to think on your feet and not try so hard. And that's kind of improv. Yeah. Um, So I guess I would say that. And yeah, totally go see a show. They're always so funny. That's like the best cheap comedy you can get is popping into <laughs> an improv theater and seeing a show. Awesome. Yeah. Liz, thank you. You just made my day. Thank you. Oh, you made my day. <laughs> You're chatting with me. I, this has been so much fun. I like being interviewed by my dear friend. It's oh just God. like a nice little Friday thing. <laughs> Let's do it every week. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> listening to the compass podcast i'm leah walsh more episodes are coming soon please look for us on facebook and itunes i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the compass cover art is by kim miller music by brendan spieth audio assistance from nick choksi and a special thanks to frankie j alvarez see you next time Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.